You are now listening to The Jason D'Amico Show. Greetings, folks. Welcome back to The Jason D'Amico Show. Thanks for listening on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, Simplecast, and all of your other platforms. And uh, we've got a very special guest on the show today. We've been kind of Instagram pen pals, so to speak. Uh, this guy's resume is quite an accomplishment. Uh, been in the business for a ridiculous amount of time. Record producer, recording engineer, mixer, composer, uh, and, and film worker for network television. Professional drummer, talk show host, and actor. He's worked with Grammy winners, nominees, Billboard winners, and a whole bunch of cool stuff here. And we're going to get more into details in a second, but please welcome to the show, Mr. Dino Mataloni. Good to see you. Goes mild. Go ahead. How's uh, how how's it out there over in LA? Uh, well, it's uh, it's wacky. You know, fortunately, I live by the beach, so uh, you know, during the day is kind of normal, and then nighttime it's a little wacky. But uh, you know, LA is a little bit lighter in the vibe. You know right. um, what's going on, so uh, you know usually during the day it's pretty cool. Well, cool. I've uh, been following you for a little bit and really enjoyed some of the content. Seen a few of your interviews before, and I thought you'd be a really good addition to the to the show. Um, would love to start with your beginning stages. I know that you've got a lot of hats that you wear, and uh, I'm assuming it started with drums for you earlier on, but we'd love to hear just a few minutes on your story and how you got into the industry. I mean, when did I start? I'm not hearing you too great, but uh, when did I start playing drums? Is that what you're saying? When did I start? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and how you got into the industry? Uh, well, just like a lot of guys that are my age, uh, the baby boomers, it was the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And you'll hear that from, you know, anybody, that's even close to my age. I'll always say the same thing. I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And of course I was a young, very young boy. And, uh, that prompted me to, uh, to want to do that. Now my, my older brother was in a band and he brought home a drum set that I guess the drummer in his band bought a new drum set. He brought home a drum set. It was just a kick drum and a snare drum and a cymbal. And I started playing them the next day to Beatle records. It just, it just came natural to me. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how I started. And, uh, I started at, uh, I started at 10 years old, and then I started my first paying job. Uh, I was 11, uh, when the first time I ever got paid to play drums, and uh, it, and and I just stayed with it all the way through. As far as as far as like as far as like as far as like later on professionally, then then you know I started uh, you know, of course touring and playing with different bands and. I built a studio in 1986, my first studio in 1986. But uh, I had been touring for a good 20 years before that. But uh, any, it's any, just been that, you know, that's about it. I picked, I, I don't know if it picked me or I picked it, but I just picked the music industry and I've been right. with it ever since. Right. No, I, I definitely can relate. Uh, any major influences besides the Ed Sullivan? Uh, well, uh, well, I mean, uh, it was just the whole thing. It was just, you know, it was a very young, innocent uh, time. And it was a fun, mm -hmm. I would say it was a fun time. Those early days was fun. It was nothing but fun. There was no politics. 
There was no, uh, uh, you know, uh, slamming each other. And, uh, right. you know, uh, 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 of course, there was no social media or anything like that. It was just a bunch of fun. All the lyrics were fun. Uh, uh, it was a great, fun time. And I just, it was a blast for me. I mean, it was just an absolute blast. I, I couldn't wait to, to play my drums. I played every day. You know, I was into sports a lot. I was it was going to be a professional baseball player, and and that and I got into an accident in my, and and in, uh, in high school, and that ended that career. So I just stayed with the music, but it was just a very very fun time. Everything influenced me. Uh, uh, I can't I can't name off a bunch of people. It was just the, the whole vibe of of the music scene at that time. It was fun. Yeah. I'm sure you saw. Were you? When did you? Are you from L.A.? I'm assuming you're I'm from, probably from, I'm the from New Chicago. York area. I'm from Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I came out here when I was very young, and my father built an Italian restaurant. And uh, the only other job I've ever had besides music is throwing pizzas in the air for him and his restaurant. <laughs> I started. I started making some pizzas during quarantine, and it's uh, it's fun. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, so the LA scene, I'm I'm assuming you were there kind of like through a lot of different seasons then. Maybe uh this like the Sunset Strip with the doors and all of that and Guns and Roses about 10 or 15 years later. Any any crazy stories you've worked with? Do you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a million crazy stories. I mean, uh I started playing the whiskey a go-go uh, in 1973. Wow. That was the first time I played there. Wow. And we played there with actually uh, the, the guy that just passed away a couple of days ago. We played with uh, Jorge Santana with, uh, with, with Malo. Wow. We played probably 15 shows with Malo back in the day. And they were real, real you know, Suavecito had just come out. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners or watchers now are going, who the hell are these people? But anyway... It was a long time ago, and I, I played with a lot of, you know, but I'll tell you what, when I used to play there, just because we're on the subject of the whiskey, when we played, it was two shows a night, and uh, there was only two bands, and they would clear the place out after the first show, and there was a line all the way up the block, and when I when we played, Joe Cocker, the uh, uh, um, uh, the Beach Boys, uh, uh, uh I can't think of uh, this. They, 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 uh, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Uh, uh, they would all come in. They would all come in to the to the whiskey and just sit there and watch and and have a beer and or a drink, and just hang out. They'd sit wow. in the booth and they would all just come in and walk out and come in. It was just it was what it was. That's that's how different it is was then than it is now. Right. Right. Did you ever run into Lemmy back in the day? Uh, let me, uh, no, uh, I did not. Uh, that was, uh, let me see. I don't think we ever played with them. I would have uh, loved to have met that guy though, because, yeah. uh, he, he was, he was the real deal. Oh, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of LA bands like, uh, you know, Chili Peppers and. Yeah. Well, Three again, you know, uh, I, I played up and down the strip, you know, uh, we played with, uh, Oh God! The tubes we played with. Uh, um, later on, we played with uh, Van Halen. We played with Wow uh, uh, Santana. We played with uh, 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 you know uh, people like Jeffrey Osborne. Uh, yeah. 
I can't remember them all, but you know, we played with a lot. I mean, I had a lot of the guys on. I had a, you know, I had a talk show for five years, and I had a lot of the same guys that I played with on my show. We had Chuck right. Negron from Three Dog Night, and we were talking about the whole thing, and and you know. Just the, that, that's the place has got so many stories, but when you go into it now, it's just like a little warehouse and it's got like nine bands a night and it just doesn't have anything near what it used to be. Right. But I, I, you know, I have, I have, a, I don't know how much time you got, but I, I, I've had, I have a ton of stories. Oh yeah. We, we've got, we've got, uh, you know, there's, there's really no time restraint to this. It's as much as you want well, to at talk. At the time I was going out with, uh, uh, this, it was a movie with Steve McQueen did called Papillon and uh, the girl that played his wife in the movie that was my girlfriend mm. and uh, uh um she was a polynesian woman you know beautiful gorgeous woman uh and uh w she would come to the shows and then she was dancing down the street at a polynesian place because at the time she was in playboy magazine and she was real popular so after the shows at the whiskey we would go over to where she was dancing right down the street you know, and it was a Polynesian restaurant. They do, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like a strip joint or anything. It was just a, you know. And then uh, one night we uh, we played with the Raspberries, and they they came with us over there, and it was just, uh, you know, we would go hang out at the Hollywood Bowl parking lot, and you know, I mean, it's just it's just a totally different era than now. Right, right. Well, let's talk about your show real quick. I I know that you were doing that for about five years, and a lot of great information, a lot of great knowledge on the show, the Ask Dino Show, correct? Yes. Um, the Ask Dino Show, uh, uh, I started uh, being a guest uh, on this one show uh, called, uh, I think it was something LA or something, I don't know, uh, Entertainment Tonight or something like that, or some, one of those kind of shows. And I w kept being a guest on the show, and then they, they did a segment with me, and then I just said, let's call it the Ask Dino show, and people could ask me questions. Uh, or no, the Ask Dino segment. And then I got to be more uh, involved in the show than the actual host, so they said, look, you got to do your own show. So I did my own show at Time Warner uh, for like four years wow. uh, in the studio down there. And then I went and did it live with a live audience, and a, I had a band. I had a phenomenal band, and it was like a Tonight Show. I, I would come on, I would do like a little little comedy at the beginning and wow. a monologue, and then we, I would interview major guests, and then they would perform. I mean, I the last show I did was with Larry Dunn and Earth, Wind, and Fire, and wow. uh, uh, and his wife uh, Louisa, who was fantastic, and then we did four. Earth, Wind, and Fire songs with Larry Dunn and a 15-piece band, and it was it was incredible. But uh, my show was a mentoring show. It was all about mentoring. Uh, right. You know, the, the the premise was teaching people what to do, what not to do, and that's how it started. You know, and then it just morphed into what it morphed into. But it was uh, basically. Uh, teaching the young artists what to do, what not to do, because the young artists these days, they have no place to play. There's no place to play. Not, not like when I was playing. Six nights a week we play. Right, you know? right. The young artists these days, well, of course, there's now there's nowhere because of the, of the, of the pandemic, but uh, the young artists, they would have to play one set for 35, 40 minutes with eight bands, and they would no, no sound check, no nothing. They get up, get off. That's not the way to, to cultivate your music. That's not the way. Or to learn anything. So... I started the show, and it was basically that. It was, a, it was a mentoring, and then it turned into an entertainment kind of a thing. For sure. And you've got something new in the works. The From what I've read, 
the paparazzi family? Right. Um, um, you know, nowadays, as you know, being a musician and you're doing a show right now, you have to multitask. You can't do one thing. You Always. know, my whole life was one thing, and that was music. Nowadays, you cannot. You have to do more than yep. one thing. Yep. So that's why I started doing the Astino show. But then I got into uh, people started asking me to do acting roles. And uh, I'm not, you know, I mean, I guess uh, I have a natural ability because I've been on stage all my life and, you know, just whatever. Uh, I started doing this little comedy skit with the paparazzi family. So we were, I was Don Dino paparazzi and I'd have a family. We were paparazzis, but we were also mafia. Right. And, and then that started, we used to do that at the beginning of the Astino show. That was a little skit. Like the, like the Simpsons did uh, a long time ago on the Tracy Allman show. They would come out and do a little skit. Well, we did the paparazzi family. Well, people started digging the paparazzi family so much. They said, forget about the talk show for now. Do the paparazzi family. So I wrote some shows, and I've got Gordon Michael, who's my cinematographer and, and uh, editor. And it's just me and him. And then I have my cast, and it's morphed. It's morphed. Uh, we've got six episodes, and it's over at Bravo right now. But then the pandemic hit. So everything yeah. is on you know but it's uh, a, I, I love it it's hilarious the reel that you sent me really good stuff oh so you you, uh, you like it huh? that make oh laugh? yeah i think it's i think it's great yeah well you be you're italian right sicilian yes. and italian both yeah well then yeah it, i mean especially italians will get it but but because as you know my character is my father and all my uncles tied together you know yeah that's what that's what my character is that don dino is my father and my all my uncles in one you know? Right, right. No, it's great. I love it. Well, let's let's talk real quick about the Tony Farrell All Star Band. I know you guys aren't playing right now because of the pandemic, but uh, saw some of that material. Kick ass band, kick ass talent. I mean, just I, I was I was reading the names that you guys have played with, and it's just incredible. You know, folks that that have played with Stevie Wonder, um, and and so many other. Like I think Michael Jackson was another one, but like incredible yeah well the, uh uh i started now this is this is a weird uh strange story but it's a great story uh tony farrell is a, a vietnam vet he served two tours in vietnam he's a marine corps uh 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 purple heart winner uh he got wounded and uh he came to my studio god about i don't know six seven eight years ago and uh, he wanted to record some music. And, you know, he was kind of a very mediocre player. So I started putting some things around him and use some of my players and stuff. And then it, got, it morphed and morphed and morphed. And he goes, man, this is turning out so good. Can we start doing live shows? I said, of course. So then I built the band around him. Now, the band is like, it's an all-star band. It's, you know, we got Greg Wright, who played with Michael Jackson and Mick Fleetwood. And I got uh, Dig Lewis, who was Stevie Wonder and Tina wow. Turner and Chaka Khan and and Jimbo Ross on viola, who's played with everybody from from Page and Plant to uh, to uh, um, Alicia Keys, and we got Robin Kermsey, who's a female singer who sang with uh, Jill Walsh and Eric Clapton, and so we've got a, I've got a ten piece band, and everybody in the band has done major major tours. Uh, now Tony is this guy that's never done anything before. And but he's got great songs, and then of course I produce the, I record them and produce them, and we play, and yeah. and and he's got these great ideas, and we make them in. So we do, we call it the Tony Farrell All Star Band, and we all play behind him, and we kind of support 
his military uh, uh, scenario. Yeah. And everybody in the band, believe it or not, and you you know this because you're a musician. Everybody in the band gets along great. Yeah. <laughs> if you can imagine that, ten people get along great, and that's basically because we've all been through all the craziness and all the BS, and yeah. we don't argue about bullshit anymore. We don't. Right. We don't. We don't. We don't argue about crap anymore. We just have a great time. And the band is a bomb. It's just like playing with these guys. It's like playing with 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 a major act every night, you know? Yeah. And and uh, I can't wait to play again. I mean, uh, one thing about being a musician is that, you know, I'm, I'm no spring chicken, obviously, but I still get the same feeling now that I did when I was 12, 13 years old, 18 years old. Isn't when that I, incredible? When I'm playing in the band. I don't think we don't think of age anymore. Yeah, just, this this band's serious, kick butt, and I just have we just have a great time. You know, it's and I can't I can't really speak to your experience, Dino, because I'm only I'm still in my mid twenties, but I I feel the same way. Like I started playing drums at four. I started taking lessons at around four, and my early teen years when I was going through all the Van Halen records and police and the doors and, you know, uh, deep purple going through all that. It's amazing how still playing music over a decade later, I, it puts me right back into that place of like early teen years. And it's just amazing how it just de-ages just like that. Well, what's, what you have to look forward to is, is that that will happen forever. Wow. If, as long as you can play, wow. and as long as you want to play, you 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 can play. Uh, um, age does not matter when you hit that stage. Besides a few extra aches and pains that you didn't have when you were younger, <laughs> uh, uh, when you hit that stage, you're right back. You know, even in your fifties and sixties and seventies, you're gonna feel the same way you do now at your age. At that age, you're going to feel the same way because that's what we feel, you know? Wow. And uh, that's what's great about music is that as long as you're able to play, I mean, look at Carlos and look at, uh, uh, I mean, look at any of the guys, you know, Rod Stewart, look at these Mick, guys. Mick Jagger. You know, look, at the, look at the Rolling Stones, look at Charlie <laughs> Watts. You know, Charlie Watts is like a, like a, I mean, I love him he, and he's a great drummer, but he looks like a freaking mummy, you know? He looks, <laughs> he looks, you know, I mean, I mean, and, 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 uh, Keith Richards, who should be, who is the God knows why he's still even alive. They get up there and they're just having a ball. I mean, and they got more money than God and they're still touring. Right. You know, they just get up there and they have a ball, you know, that's yeah. the only thing that's good about one of the only thing that's good about this business is the music. The music will never uh, betray us. Right. Everything else will the business people, bandmates, uh, 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 even your audience sometimes. But the music will never be, it's ours. It can't, it can't F with us. It, yeah. it can't. It'll always be ours. They can't take it away from us. There'll be great nights and there'll be nights that you totally suck. Uh, it just, that just happens. That's natural. But, but the music you'll always have. Okay. So uh, that's what, that's why the Stones, who don't need to ever play a, a, a note again, they're still touring and they're in their late 70s. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the business real quick. I know that you could you could probably talk for years with your experience, and uh, I'm not even really sure what question to ask you. I would just say, I would just start with you know what 
what what have you learned the most over all the years that you've been in the business? Because it, you know, I thought I had this thing figured out in my early twenties, and then you get into the mid twenties, it's like, man, totally different animal. Totally different. Well, it's changing. Animal. It's changing all the time. You yeah. know, the business is changing all the time. Yeah. And and uh, so you have to you have to change with it. Uh, but I, I will just say I will just say this, and anybody can you know th- some young guys are going to say ah shut up and what do you yeah. know? What here's what I'm going to tell you is that when you get older, you get wisdom. Okay, that doesn't mean you're smarter. Smart and wisdom is two different things. Okay, smart is knowing uh, book book smarts. Wisdom is knowing what works and what doesn't work. Wisdom is knowing when to keep your mouth shut and when to talk. Uh, wisdom is 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 knowing when to not let things bother you. Okay, that's what I've learned. Now I can go on forever about the music. Uh, we can talk about rehearsal. We can talk about you know because you know I did. Uh, I was a music director in Las Vegas too. I did big big shows where I was the drummer and the music director and the MC. So wow. I could talk all about that, you know. Uh, but what I would say is that uh, most bands break up because of bullshit. Most, ba- you know, because being in a band is like a marriage. Uh, yeah. Uh, or being a solo artist and being with your business people, it's like a marriage. But most bands break up over bullshit. Uh and that's what you have to uh, learn to to to, uh, to not let things bother you or let stuff get in the way because you can have a magical band and believe me you can ask the police you can ask the the, the beach boys you can ask uh blink 182 you can anybody they're going to tell you we effed up because we got we did stupid shit so the best thing you can do is is to not get upset about the bullshit okay because you're going to ruin a great thing and you're going to be sorry for the rest of your life, okay? Because I firmly believe that in, in chemistry. If you have something that the chemistry that works, and it's obvious that it works because those are the bands that stay around forever. Uh, uh, if you have some of the chemistry working, you you can't mess it up. And by by fighting over crap and and petty bullshit, uh, you're going to mess it up. And that's why this band I'm in now is so funny because you got 10 people that get along like, you know, like we're all brothers and sisters and we haven't seen each other and whatever. So I'm just, the, the basic thing to learn about the business is to, to not get upset about, and, and don't, don't think, being, being upset and mad and throwing tantrums, not cool anymore. Not, it's not cool. People look at you like you're an idiot. It was okay in the 80s because everybody was an asshole in the 80s. It was all, <laughs> it was all it was all drug and alcohol fueled stuff. Right. Okay. But being a loudmouth bully asshole, nobody likes that. It doesn't nobody looks up to that anymore. Being a nice right. person, that's what people look up to, and that's what people remember is being nice. Yeah. Know your stuff, do your due diligence, do your homework, uh, 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 work on yourself. Like like the Michael Jordan thing that the the show you know they're showing the why he was so great. If you watch that, you see how how intense he was on winning, okay? Because he worked on himself and the team. If you if you worry about all the other bullshit, it's gonna go away. 
And people are going to remember you as being an asshole. And you could be the best singer, the best drummer, the best guitar player in the world. But if you're known as an asshole, you're done. And that goes with the public, too. That's great. That's really, that's really great. Well, let, let's talk about your production real quick. Uh, recording, mixing, how did you get into it? Well, I mean, you know, from playing, I did a lot of, you know, sessions when I was younger. Um, and I, my first studio I built uh, in 1986, and I didn't know anything about engineering, knew nothing. You know, I mean, uh, I was a drummer. Drummers, most drummers don't know nothing about it. We just want to bang around and hit and slam and touch and, you know. Uh, but I built my first studio, did not know how to engineer. And then I had a mentor come in, a guy named Michael McCarty came in and helped me and showed me the ropes. Um and then I just loved it. I absolutely love creating music. I still do to this day. That's, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my studio right now. But uh, um, uh, the recording aspect of it, um, it's just, it, I'm natural. It's my calling. Uh, you know, because yeah. I have music uh, on network television almost every day, you know, that I've composed. It's on TV all the time. And I can, my, my gift uh, uh, is sitting down and write, I can write something not lyrically now I'm not a lyricist I, I won't claim to be a lyricist I can write something musically just sit down with, and I can write it I can orchestrate it you know strings horns whatever I can, it just comes to me that's my gift okay um, now as far as uh, projects I've got uh, uh, this young girl that I'm producing right now 18 years old her name is Cat. that's C-A-T Cat. and we've done five songs we're getting ready to do a video she's kind of like the Billie Eilish uh Halsey kind of a thing, uh, but she's beautiful girl, fantastic voice, uh, and that's you know I mean, people say people say to me you know who have you worked with? I don't even I don't even talk about that anymore. Uh, I just say look me up on Google. Just look it up on right. Google. I'd rather talk about the stuff you're asking me about, what I'm doing now, what's going on now, what's happening now. Because if I started dropping names and talking about most of the kids watching won't even know who they are. You know, if I could say, oh, I work with the guys in Survivor. Oh, you mean a TV show? No, no, <laughs> the band Survivor. You know, uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I have I have clients in here that don't even know who the Beatles are. I mean, wow. they know of them. They go, oh, I've heard of them. You know, yeah. or I'll say, uh, I'll say, uh, play like, play like, um, play like Clapton. Play, play, who's that? Who's that? You know, so it's, it's, I just. I have to remember when I'm working with these young kids, right, right, that they're they're they don't relate to that. They they barely relate to the Eddie Van Halen. They think he's old school. You know what I mean? What what do you think? What do you think are the trends right now as far as you know where where the where it's going? Yeah. Uh, well, that is a that is a million dollar sixty million dollar sixty four million dollar question. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I all I know is that the um, uh, when you're a record producer, your personal feelings should not come into play. Your personal choice should not come into play. It's the, the choice is up to the artist and right. what they're into. That's what you do. So my personal choices and my personal feelings, I don't ever, usually ever talk about. Um, I don't say who I think is good or who is bad or, or whatever. I just look at it. And say, okay, I'm going to make it the best I can. My job right. is to make whatever it is the best it can be. Uh, 
Uh, rock music, the, the rock music of today is country music. Country is the rock of today. They got guys with, you know, big drum sets and wailing guitars and ass-kicking bands. And, and, you know, that's the rock of today. Rock the, the today, unfortunately, is not, you know, it's not nowhere near like it was. It's not even, you know, the, 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 the bands that are famous are the, are the dinosaur bands, you know, Aerosmith and, you know, uh, uh, yeah. you know those, those bands are, are of, that's in rock that are still real famous. The, the rock today, it's out there. Believe me, it's out there. Rock is out there. It's just not in any kind of a mainstream right now. It's these young girls. It's, you know, it's the pop. It's the Demi Lovato. It's uh, Taylor Swift, you know, things like that. Right. Um, and then the internet is, the internet is a double-edged sword. The internet was great. And then it ruined a lot of stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a yin and a yang. Uh, the internet was great because you and I could do a record and sell it tomorrow, you know, but then again, soaking the guy next to you and the guy down the street, right. and the mailman and the bus driver and, and everything else. Right. So that gets in the way of you and me who really do it for a living. And all of a sudden you got 80 million people doing the same thing and we get lost. We're lost. Yeah. We, they can't find us. It's harder for them to find us. And then the people that are trying to find stuff get jaded and calloused. And it's like, even me, you know, and I'm not even a record label, you know, I'm like, Oh, I can't, I just can't listen to it. It's just too much. It's just too much, you know? So, uh, music, the music business, uh, is, uh, it's a do it yourself business. Now you can get signed to a label still. Sure. But it's basically a do it yourself business. And you know that because you do it. I saw your video the other day. I saw that you put that was, was a great piece of work, you know? Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 you have to do it yourself. Now you should hire somebody that knows what they're doing. Somebody like me, you know, I'm, I'm and that's not bragging. You know, I, 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 you know, I've earned, I've earned my, my attitude. I've earned it. So if I say, I know what I'm talking about, I do, you know, you should always hire somebody that you trust and always hire somebody that's, that's, that uh, is going to help you, but you have to have your vision. You know, you have to know what you want. And, uh, you know, that's going to help you a lot. As far as the music industry today is the, the only thing you have control over is doing the best work you can do. Yeah. Okay. You have once you have no control over the business these days. There's no control, but what you do have control over is doing the best uh, work that you can do. And don't worry about any what anybody else is doing. You have to focus on what you do. Don't say, "Oh, so and so is this, and so and so is that," and so do the best work you can do and that will come through people don't believe it or not people want to see something people are constantly looking for something new they don't want to hear another taylor swift they don't want to hear another demi lovato they want to hear somebody new they want to hear something cool and different so how are you going to do that if you're copying this one or that one or maybe this one did that you just do the best you can do at what you do it's good advice Well, speaking of uh, doing the best you can do uh, from a production standpoint, what uh, is that a Neve back there? Is that a Neve console? Uh, no, this is a, 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 a Malcolm Toft, uh, a Malcolm Toft, an MTA Series 90. I've got Neve preamps. 
Yeah, it, it looked like it looked like some sort of. I saw it on the the website or one of the pictures that you sent me, and I was like, man, that looks like a Neve, like an old. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a Malcolm Toft uh, design console uh, that uh, actually he made it for me in England. Uh, wow. I've had this console for, uh, eighteen years, but I've wow. got Neve uh, ten seventy three preamps. Yeah, too, but- yeah. 1073s, man. Malcolm built all the the Trident, like the A ranges, the B ranges, uh, and then he started building the MTA, which is Malcolm Toft and Associates. And then I was the first guy on the West Coast to have this console, so I did a bunch of promotion for him and things like that. U47 into a 1073, just can't beat it. No, you can't. Yeah, you can't. I mean, uh, you don't need a lot, a lot. That's the problem with a lot of these guys with the computer stuff. You don't need all the the computer doodads. You have to have a good mic, a good preamp, a good recording system, uh, and a good ear. And a, and you know, a damn and, and good a performance. Good, a good compressor. That's all you really need. You don't yeah. need 10 million things. I've got a I've got a fun thing I do at the end with gear. I'll uh, I'll save that for the end. Let let me get, let me jump over to I I heard something really interesting in one of your interviews about the dangers of drugs. And I, drugs? I don't know yeah, I don't know if I don't know how that was from a few years ago. I don't know if you've changed your opinion on that, but I'd love to hear your take on that and you know advice regarding regarding. Okay, that scene. are you talking about drug drugs? Yeah, I, it was just an interesting point I heard in one of your okay. interviews. Well, I mean, I, I okay, just so just so you know, I I uh, in the eighties, I I did a lot of cocaine and alcohol. I even sold cocaine in the eighties. So, uh, you know, I was an idiot. Uh, and it almost killed me. I, I have a, uh, um, I got arrested. This is like, this is 1984. Uh, it's the only, I've never committed a crime since. And I stopped drinking and, and, uh, drugs in 1990 when my daughter was born, I stopped everything and I've been a monk ever since. But, Mm. uh, uh, drugs, uh, uh, drugs, uh, recreational drugs. Now, weed is a different thing. I mean, you, you gotta, as in anything, you gotta have, you gotta have a, you know, portion control or whatever. But drugs is nothing but poison. Every time you take a drug, even even prescription drugs, uh, it, it's 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 a poison to your body. Now, that's why they say all these side effects. You know, this can this can do this and this can do that and this right. can, you know, so. Not only is are drugs poison to your body, but they 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 put you in very dangerous situations. And I could have been killed a million times. You know, I've got four stab wounds and a stab wound here, and and, and you know, I mean, I I uh, I could have been should have been dead a million times. Uh, but drugs drugs is nothing but. Uh, uh, poison and major embarrassment because when you when you're on drugs you do stupid things and right. you say stupid things and I've seen people get dead just by being drunk and on drugs I've seen them die you yeah. know uh, yeah. by by fights by guns being pulled out uh, somebody getting hit and falling and smashing their head on the sidewalk and dying uh, guys getting shot and then the next day everybody's sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, guess what? The person's dead. Wow. Uh, so it's a very dangerous thing. Drugs, drugs and music. Uh, you know, smoking a little weed or something like that. You know, but but you know, getting smashed and wiped out is nothing but bad. It's bad. Uh, that's all I can tell you. And and you'll some people have to learn on their own. And pain 
And sickness is a great motivator. And if you keep doing it, you'll have a lot of pain and you'll get sick right. or die. Right. Go ahead. No, yeah, no, I just thought I'd ask you about that because um, I just thought it was interesting and I, I liked your answer on it and your take from that interview. Well, I mean, you know, there's nothing, there's no experience like experience. And right. like I said, when you get older, you gain wisdom. Yeah. And, and when we're young, we're, we're fearless and we don't think nothing's going to happen to us. You know, like my daughter's 29 and I try to tell her all the time and she's finally, finally starting to get it. But, you know, you, you do things that can get you dead just like that. And I've seen it, you know. And like I say, the next day everybody's sorry and, oh, my God, what did I do? And, oh, I'll take it back. Well, too late. Mm. So what do you do? You try to prevent it. And it's not easy at times. And I know there's addiction and I know there's alcoholism and, uh, you know, it's not easy. But I will just say this, that drugs is, there's no fun. It's not fun. It's nothing but sickness. Right, right. Uh, you said something earlier. I'm going to go back to what you were talking about. And it, it had to do with the industry. And I want to get your philosophy on this. What, what would you say is the, I'm trying to see how I can phrase this the right way. Um, what, what would you say is, is the biggest stumbling block for artists in this day and age? I guess we'll just leave it at that. Uh, uh the biggest stumbling block, uh, is quitting quitting too soon, giving up too soon. Um, wow. Uh, uh, financial, uh, financial, um, sustaining yourself financially is very tough. Right. Now, you know, I had Chuck Nagwan on my show uh, from Three Dog Night, and uh, he was probably the most interesting guy I had on my show. And, and uh, very, you know, he wrote a book called Three Dog Nightmare, and he was, you know, a drug addict. For, you know, real famous stories with him. And to this day, I mean, uh, oh well, this was a couple of years back, but he said you should sustain yourself and spend two or three hours a day on your music, but the rest of the time you have to sustain yourself. Right. In other words, don't just be this broke-ass musician sleeping on a couch thinking that you're going to become famous and rich. That's not happening anymore. doesn't happen. Uh, these people on these uh, 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 TV shows, you know, like The Voice and all that stuff that are on the couch one day and the next day they're on this TV show. Yeah, that happens. But, I mean, for every one of those, there's 10 million that's, that's, that's broke. Okay? So... Um, sustain yourself stay healthy and then work two or three hours a day or even an hour a day on your career okay but uh, if you put everything into music oh that's all i've ever wanted and that's all I ever that's great but you have to take care of business you have to take care of business there's a lot of 80s rock stars that are dead or broke or whatever calling me for hundred dollar sessions that, that have Grammys and, and Oscars and Billboard Awards in their house, and they're calling me and asking me for sessions because they have no money. You know, you have to plan, 
you have to uh, 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 music is not the end all it's not I'm gonna be this bohemian and I'm gonna you know eat dirt and sleep on a car you can't do that nobody cares that's not impressive anymore what's yeah. impressive is you taking care of business yeah and you doing your music and taking care of business that's people say whoa you know look at Taylor Swift and I'm not want to keep bringing her up but she's an example right now or Miley Cyrus I'm only talking about them because they're very famous. They work their asses off. They're not just some rich, spoiled kid that, that's famous. They work their asses off, okay? And, and they take care of business. I mean, it's not about just going up on the stage and whooping it up and, and then all of a sudden you're, you're done with the gig and you go party and drink and get laid. That doesn't happen. That's not good. You got to take care of business and, 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 uh, and sustain yourself. So... Don't don't give up. Get balance. Get boundaries. Do your your daily stuff, your work, make your money, do your music. Don't be a broke ass bohemian on a couch. It doesn't work anymore. Entrepreneurship, kind of while we're on this and reinventing yourself, so to speak, or staying with how uh, the the mu- the music industry is constantly changing. Any thoughts on entrepreneurship? You obviously are one, whether you want to call yourself one or not. I mean, it's clear that you are, and and you have to be in this day and age. But uh, yeah, just some thoughts on that. Uh, you mean like uh, keeping yourself fresh and kind of reinventing, uh, um, being relevant? Is that what you're saying? Sure, sure. Okay. Um, being relevant is extremely important. You don't want to give up your uh, artisticness to be relevant, but you have to have a degree of it. Right. Okay. You know, a, a guy that that did fifties bongo poetry in the fifties who was really famous. You can't do that now. Okay. You have to be somewhat relevant to what's going on uh, right now. Okay. But that doesn't mean you have to copy somebody. That means you've got to be somewhat relevant to what's going on. Uh. As a musician, it's one thing. As a producer, me, like me, uh, you have to stay relevant to uh, the music sounds of today and the way people are playing. Like, I'm producing this 18-year-old artist, and I'm playing drums on all of it, and I'm playing, if you listen to my drumming, I I sound like a 20-year-old kid. So I have to play, like, what's going on with with right. with what she's doing right uh reinventing as an uh as a as a um, solo artist or a band you, you only have to reinvent after you've been famous for a while and then you got to do something to be fresh again uh uh just do what you do now and be yourself now and all that stuff you got a long time before you have to reinvent as far as a record producer and a songwriter and stuff yes you have to stay up what's on what's current and you have to adjust to it you have to adjust to what's going on. So you have to do your due diligence. You have to do your homework. You can't just sit back and do nothing. You have to do homework. You have to listen to everything. I saw this thing the other day. Uh, 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 I think it was, uh, uh, I watched a, a special on Keith Richards. The guy's got like a thousand albums behind him while he was talking. You know, a thousand albums. He's still doing his homework. He's still listening to these records. He's still listening to what's going on. Okay, so you have to you have to completely up upgrade yourself, and be be and know what's going on, but that but that doesn't mean you have to give up your own artisticness. Uh, 
Right. And to make it myself clear, being an artist is one thing. Being a producer, engineer is another thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Being an artist. Now, you, you're an artist, and then you're also producing. So when mm. you're your artist hat, that's your creative hat. When you're a producer and an engineer, you're taking something and making it great. It could be your stuff or it could be somebody else's stuff. But your artistic hat, as an artist, is one thing. Uh, like let's say uh, let's say uh, 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 Maroon Five. Uh, what's the guy's name? The singer. I can't think of his right oh, now. Oh, um, I just saw him the other night. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He doesn't. When he produces an artist, he doesn't go out and produce somebody to to to, to sound like him, or what he right. does. Right. He's producing them to, to be them. Yeah. Okay. So his artisticness, what he is, stays over here. But then he goes over here and he creates what they're doing and makes it great on what they're doing. Okay, so you have to separate the two. You have to separate your artistic vision to your your production creative songwriting vision. And you have to multitask. So you can be an artist here, but then, hey, I'm going to go make money over here. Right. So then you broad, you broaden yourself out. You write a country song, you write a, a pop tune, and then you come back and you play rock if you're if, if, if you're into that. You know what I mean? You have right. to multitask. Right. Okay? So uh, reinventing only comes uh, if you've been, you know, like if everybody's known you for, you know, 10, 15 years, and all of a sudden now it's like, well, I got to do something different. Yeah, you could do something different. Prince did it all the time. You know, uh, uh, all kinds of people did it. You know, but they, but you still stay, stay your basic core self, but you change. Right, right. right. People like that. People like that. Go ahead, man. Oh, no, no. I, this is just, it's great stuff. I, I remembered a question that I wanted to ask you earlier, and it's a little, little bit of a change in pace. But again, you said something earlier. It made me think of the words motivation and inspiration. I always remember when Bob Rock was working with, Metallica and some of those other guys back in the 80s and 90s they interviewed him like how do you how do you stay up to date and not get burned out and he said well I just I just try to stay inspired and that really hit me because it's like well at the end of the day that's really what keeps you moving is that inspiration and just some thoughts from you on that well, the older you get, the harder it is to get inspired. I'll tell you that. Mm. Uh, not because uh, of anything other than it's just natural. Uh, people, people mistake, uh, 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 I'd say, uh, just the, the, you know, the clock and that we're just not, we don't jump up and down and go crazy. But when we do see something that we do, it's like, man, that's fantastic. You know, uh, every time I work with an artist, whether they're a beginner or, or a Grammy winner, I always learn something. I'm this young right. girl I'm producing, this 18 year old girl, uh, you know, she doesn't know anything, but there's little things, that, little nuggets that she'll say or something will come up and I'm going, oh, okay, well, Eddie, that's cool. You know, that's cool. You know, you can always learn something from anybody. Right. And, and they don't have to be Bob Rock, even though he's fantastic and I, I love, I've always loved his work. Uh, uh, you can learn something from, uh, uh, a guy uh, playing on the street with yeah. a with a yeah. with a hat in front of him collecting dollar tips. You watch that, and you, you you're going to learn something. You know, right. or you talk to him when he's done. You're going to learn something. 
And and you have to you have to have the attitude of like, okay, I'm gonna take that in, and I'm I'm gonna do something with that instead of like, what a dumbass! You you're out here playing for the, you know you're an idiot you know you know look at I'm way better than you that doesn't do you any good at all this makes you an asshole, you know. Yeah. So uh, getting inspired, getting inspired, absolutely. Uh, uh, the older you get, it's going to be a little more difficult. But uh, you know, it's always great to feel that. And when we do, it's like you know, I mean, uh, it, it makes you get up off your ass. What What would you along the lines of that? What would you say has been the biggest inspiration for you over the years, or when you've really been down? When you've really been in the gutter. Just, uh, well, okay. Um, um, well, first of all, music always gets me out of being down. Uh, right. I've had days in the studio where it's been horrific uh, business-wise, you know, not right. to musically. Right. Uh, business-wise, because I've, I've owned this place for 32 years. You know, I've had the studio 32 years. But as soon as I come in and put the music on, everything goes away. It's that music is there. Like I say, the music will never betray you. Right. Uh, everything goes away. Uh, um, I don't know what else to say about that. I, I just say that you, you, you gotta, you gotta keep, you have to keep, you just have to know you're going to get out of it. Whatever, whatever it is that you're going through, you, you, you just know that, Everything's going to come back around. You're going to get back into it again. You're going to get inspired again. You're going to play again. Playing with your band, uh, you know, getting on stage. That's, that's you know, they always said it's, it's like the second to sex or whatever. I mean, you know, because you're a musician, when you're up there and everything's gelling right and everything's, there's nothing like that. Nothing, nothing like it. nothing like it. Time stops. It's amazing. What a... Well, you said, and here you said something in an interview as well that was pretty funny, but it's 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 so true because I own a studio and I can totally relate to this. It's like eating fire for a living, owning a studio. Oh, <laughs> it was like eating fire. Is that what it is? That's that you said it somewhere. I found it somewhere in, on YouTube. It was like eight or ten years ago. I thought that was a pretty funny quote, but it's very very true. Yeah. Uh, well, owning a studio is, is, I mean, especially nowadays because, you know, we're, you know, we're pretty much a pink elephant. Uh, right. uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to give up a lot of things to keep my business going, but you know, my reputation has helped and, and, uh, uh, we're doing a lot of videos now, which has also helped and a lot of, uh, TV stuff. And, you know, that's helped the business a lot, but owning a studio, you really, uh, uh, your dedication to keep that business open and also not only that but you deal with the i i have dealt with the most insane clinically insane people that you could ever imagine i mean i have dealt with insane nut crazy violent uh um you know i've had guys go out and uh, go out of my office and 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 start punching their their windows in in their car, and smashing stuff. Uh, I've had fights in the studio. I've had, uh, you know, uh, uh, just a lot of crazy people that it, you have to be nuts to own a studio. I mean, right? I wouldn't change it for anything, but it's it's a very tough business to deal with clients. Right. Unfortunately, we have to deal with clients. The music is always great. 
But the, the dealing with the clients, there's a lot. Bohemians are freaking nuts. They're nuts. Yeah. yeah. And well, uh, people, they live you know, on emotion. And, and you that's said that in another interview, music. the networking, the relationships and people, that's what really is the concrete and the glue of, of this industry. Yes. You know. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I had to learn that the hard way because, you know, do you ever see that movie Whiplash where the, the, the guy was a, the screaming at the drummer all the time? Uh, you know, it was just a couple of years ago. The, it was, uh, the guy won the Academy Award for that. He was screaming at the drummer and he was, he was, a, he was like the, uh, the, the music director. I was kind of like that guy for a while. I was, oh, wow. I was over the top, you know, and uh, uh, I lost a lot of friends. You know, and clients because I was so intense. And then I nowadays I just sit back and even though somebody could be saying something and I know exactly what's going to come out of their mouth and I know exactly what they're going to say and I've heard it 50 bajillion times, I let them keep going. I don't interrupt them anymore. I, I, I know they have to get it out and I know I have to listen to it and I, and I listen to it instead of saying, wait, I already know that. I don't do that anymore. Mm. You know, I let them I let them talk. I let them get it out. And, right. and I've stayed friends with a lot more people, you know, because you keep having to tell yourself, you know, like if I went up to a, a jet fighter pilot, I'm going, man, I sat in the cockpit and I did this and I did that. And I turned around, he, he's looking at me going, oh, my God, I don't want to listen to this. That's what it's kind of like, you know. But right. if you if you let them talk about it and let them get it out and and uh, know that this is the first time this person's done it even though you've done it a billion times, they're, they're really into it. So you have to let that go. You have to let that, you know, and you keep that relationship. You know, I, I learned this the hard way. Trust me. For sure. Let's talk about acting real quick, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap up here. You've worked in various films. You have a, definitely a marriage with the TV side of things and film side of things. Any... Anything you want to talk about specifically floors open, you know, as far as acting and that yeah, whole think, industry. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to, um, when I first started the acting stuff, I was going to take lessons and I was going to go out and pound the pavement and uh, get, get, I just, I'm not doing that. I'm just, I'm working on my show because my character and Don Dino, you know, of course it's, I created it and you know, I, I can do it because I, that's what I created. So it's very easy for me. Right. Uh, I love it. I'm not, I'm not driven by it like a lot of actors are. I think the only thing tougher than the music business is the acting business. That, that business is murder. You know, that business is murder. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, I like doing it. I personally like being on the production side of something because every time I, I'm in an acting thing, which you know, I haven't been in a whole lot of it, but I've done some, and... I kind of feel a little weird because they treat you differently. They treat you like a like you like you're a, a real fragile. You know, they don't talk to you. They don't they they leave them alone. They you know don't don't upset them. And I'm I'm talking about hey man how you doing? Oh, oh what the oh, that's cool. What's that? What kind of camera is that? You know, it's like no no right. You, you got to be. You, you, they don't want. They're not supposed to talk to you. You know, and I'm like well that's weird. You know, uh, I enjoy right. acting. Um, I love doing the paparazzi show. That's what I really want to do. I will do stuff if somebody asks me to do it. I will do it, but I'm not going to go out and pound the, pound the pavement because I'm telling you, these people, you, you, there's a lot of people that you've seen that are famous faces and they're not doing well financially. 
You think that they're like some rich actor. A lot of these people aren't doing well, you know, because there's just not that much work. Right. Right. You know, so uh, I love the acting. There's a movie I did called the uh, called Guitar Man. Uh, it's a true story. Um, it's about a guy that taught guitar in San Quentin prison for three years. And um, um, it's a great story. It's a great movie. It's won 14 awards already for the uh, for the circuit, the uh, uh, film festival circuit. And it's just about ready to get a theater release, and then uh, the, the 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 pandemic hit. So, but it's uh, uh, that movie's really good. I don't have a big part in it, but uh, the guy that's the movie's about, Buzzy, he was on my talk show. That's how I got the part, and that's how I I had Buzzy, the actual guy that the movie's about. He was on my talk show. Uh, and then I did some stuff for Hector Luis Bustamante, uh, who's a great actor. Uh, yeah. he's, he's my mentor. He's my acting mentor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I did uh, his series uh, called uh, Caribe Road and then a movie uh, called Sunshine. I actually played a drummer and a father of a girl, which is, that's what I am. I got a daughter and I'm a drummer, so that was no, that was no problem. Uh, I love acting. I'll do it, but it's not my my uh you know it's not it's not my first on my list but my show right. is that's uh, the uh paparazzi family that's first on my list that's the top of my list right now i was uh i was actually a professional actor before musician so it's always it's always fun to talk shop in that regard with somebody who's done both because it's it, like you said they're two of the most difficult industries in the world and it's like you know, navigating both of them, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, people don't understand how hard this, these jobs are. <laughs> people think it's all red carpet and talk shows and, 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 and live performances. They have, that's, that's just the, the icing on the cake. That's the fun part. They don't understand any of what goes on behind the scenes or, uh, the rehearsals or the touring or the traveling or the, or the, uh, uh, uh you know, the, 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 the fighting or the, uh, the misunderstandings or the FUs and I'll, I'm going to kick your ass and I'm going to kill you. You know, they don't understand none of that stuff. They, they just see all this stuff, you know, and acting and being in, in the music industry for a living. Now I'm not talking about just having fun with it or having a hobby for a living. It's extremely extremely tough business best and worst gig experiences for you if you had one of each best and worst yeah oh god <laughs> you don't have to use any names if you don't want to no 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 i mean, I mean i've been i've been in fights right on stage i mean literally uh you know i uh, but but uh the best oh boy the best uh was probably playing uh at Indianapolis Speedway in, in Indiana. Wow. Uh, that was that was freaking amazing. And then they had after after we played, we had uh, they had the uh, Formula One race right after the concert, and that was like just like you know. Um, and then of course playing with my uh, with the All Star Band that I'm in now. I I I love playing with these guys, and the band is smoking. So I love that. I I, I there's a million things, you know. Right. You know, women, and you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, um, the worst uh, playing when I'm sick. That's right. the worst. Right. 
Yeah, playing with 103 temperature, uh, you know, where the room is like waving, like, you know, like, you know, like everything's like this and you're playing and you're, you know. Uh, yeah, hell no. I played with a broken arm. Uh, I had a cast on and I shoved the stick in here and I had a cast from here to here and I shoved my stick in there and I, pl I played like that. Oh my God. And then, uh, you know, just, uh, I almost got, uh, shot and killed by a, 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 a club owner. Uh, I was on the road somewhere and I was, I'm always the leader of my band. So, you know, I was getting paid and the guy came in and pulled out a gun and, uh, Fortunately, uh, my keyboard player, who, uh, who happened with my best friend for like 50 years, he just passed away uh, last year. Uh, he kind of came with the door right at the right time. He knocked on the door, and uh, I probably would have been killed. Um, wow. Uh, let me see. I've been, you know, uh, walked up by two big, gigantic dudes uh, when I was trying to get paid, and I got slugged in the side of the head, knocked out. You know, things like that. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, man. Uh, there's wow. probably more stories that I'm forgetting about, but uh, a lot of times I should—I could have been dead a lot of a lot of times, especially when the cocaine days. Cocaine days were the worst. Uh, but uh, as far as musically, yeah, there's been a lot of horrible nights. There's been nights where it's just like, oh, I'm never going to play again. That's it. I'm out of here. You know. But then there's the, then there's the great nights where it's like, oh my god, this is like the best. What what uh, about a studio, best and worst as far as uh, okay, uh, um, the best I did a uh, oh there's so many great things. I just did a video called L A. Uh, I, I produced a song actually I co-wrote the song uh, and it just came out uh, it's called L A. The video and uh, it's a song about Los Angeles and we shot the video we shot all over L A. Uh, and I used my band, uh, and that was a blast. A guy named uh, Jim Correo. It was uh, it was his idea, and he wrote the lyrics and the melody. Uh, he's from Chicago too, but he loves L.A., so we did that, and that was a blast. Uh, yeah. Worst uh, thing in the studio was uh, I produced an album for a uh, hard rock album for uh, Mark Bowles and uh, Scott Warren from Dio's band, and another guitar player who I won't name. Uh, great album. Just great, great hard rock. That uh, wasn't metal, it was hard rock. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did the album and the uh, guitar player brought some manager over here and the manager was trying to play the big shot and uh, he decided that somebody else should mix the record. And that's the one and only time that's ever happened wow. with me. Wow. And they took the record and mixed it somewhere else. And the record took a dump. It was horrible, mm. horrible. Mm. And that was probably the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Uh, um, that was a, cause I worked my ass off on this thing. I arranged all the music. Yeah. Played all the drums. You know, I did, you know, of course I engineered it and, and, and it was a great, great record. Uh, but the, somebody else mixed it and it took a big dump. So that was pretty bad. I'll ask you this real quick. The word risk, as far as uh, in this industry, risk-taking, you know, 
thoughts on that? Uh, any any advice? Any wisdom on on how you know risk analysis? Uh, well, you always got to take a risk. I mean, everything's a risk. Uh, right. Um, putting your music out. I would say don't put anything out unless it's great. In other words, right. don't put something out and say, well, we didn't have enough money to mix it right. And right. we didn't have enough money to master it. And, uh, you know, don't ever, because music does not come with a set of excuses or a set of uh, uh, instructions. Andrew Sheps talks, he says that all the time. I've heard in interviews is like, the two speakers, that's it. Once it's out, out of the speakers, there's no room for anything, any excuses, no anything. He's right. Uh, there's no, you know, people say, well, you know, we didn't have enough, but I want to get it out there. I want to get it out there. Don't put it out until it's great. Even if you have to wait a right. month, six months or a year, don't right. put it out until it's great because nobody knows any of this stuff. They just, they know two things. Is it great or does it suck? There's no in between. Right. No one's going to buy a record that's like, that's ah, it's just, that's ah, okay. No one's going to buy that. Right. It's either right. great or does it suck? And, and if it does, if it's not great, it's, it's like the old thing. If you're not first, you're last. If it's not great. And I'm not saying everything you're going to put out, everyone's going to love. I'm just saying within yourself, you know, it has to be done and great. Don't go, well, we didn't get the background singer and we didn't get the drummer we wanted. And don't put it out. Don't put it out, because like your friend said, you're never you can't draw it back in and, and then put it out again. No, once it's out, it's out. Yeah. So, you know, you're gonna take risk in anything, and it's funny because if somebody gets a Grammy on their first record, which they had a great time doing, the second record, everybody's paranoid. Everyone's like, oh, oh, we gotta make it. I gotta, you know, we we gotta this, we gotta watch that. Every everybody's paranoid. Wow. Instead of going in and just doing it, they're like, oh. You know, I would think I would think it this. would be much easier after the Grammy. No, I mean there's some things that are easier, yeah, but the paranoia factor comes in because you're you're worried that 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 they're not going to accept it like they did the first one, mm. and the second the sophomore record is the hardest one. The first one is 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 not. That's the so sophomore record. Wow. Because everybody likes to dump on the second record. It's if they had a great record, they like to dump on it. That's why that sophomore effort has always been the most difficult. Wow. Wow. Uh, and everybody gets paranoid. And everybody's got the, the, the Grammy fever. They, it's not even about selling the records or having a... It's like, oh, are we going to get another Grammy? Are we going to get nominated? You know, it's like... it. it uh, you know... Uh, yeah, it's 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 yeah. there's, there's a, a lot more paranoia on the second record. I, I yeah, I guess I can see that from that stamp. Yeah, I understand that from that standpoint. Yeah. Well, th this has been awesome. I I have uh I've got a thing that I like to do at the end. I call it the shootout section and it's really fun with fellow producers and engineers and mixers. Um I've just got about 10 or 15 words that are industry related. And I'll say the word, and you just kind of say the first thing that comes to mind, whether it's a favorite piece of gear or maybe a philosophy on something. Um, okay. But it's always industry related to the guests, so I've got I've got okay. some words for you, and it's, there's no right or wrong answers. Okay. Kick drum. 
hit it hard. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, snare. Uh, get your wrist snap. Get the wrist snap into it. Don't just hit it like this. Snap your wrist. You don't got to come up like this. Snap into it. The whip. The whip. The, uh, the mower, you know, the wrist. The whip, yeah. yeah. You got to whip it. You got to, it's all about the snap. And that's where yeah. you get that, that, okay, go, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I, I could talk about drums all day. Yeah. Uh, toms. Toms? Tom Toms? Yeah. Uh, 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 a, a good drum head and tune it properly um, and hit them distinctly. Hit them distinctly. Don't float over them. Hit them distinctly. Right, right. Uh, overheads. Um, well, get good, you know, get some good ones. Uh, are you talking about the microphones? Yeah. Yeah. Get some good ones and then don't, don't get them too close to the cymbals because you don't want to get any kind of, uh, phasing going on. Right. Uh, um, don't over EQ them. Don't get right. them too close to the cymbals. Right. Uh, vocal mic. Well, I've had $10,000 tube mics, and the mic I got now uh, is the TLM-149. It's the best mic. I've, I've had everything, 87s. Neumann, Neumann is the best mic for me. I, I just said right. this. Right. I, I agree. Is the best. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, console, which we kind of talked about earlier, but. Yeah, console, console uh, I've always loved the Neve sound because it's big and fat and thick and, and, and clean. Uh, I like my MTA because that's as close at, for the money that I had to buy one Yeah, that I could get. And then I have the, the Neve 1073s, the preamps. Uh, of course, then there's the big SSLs and then there's all these new digital consoles, which my brother works at CBS television and, and he's a sound engineer. He's been there for 25 years. He's got all these fantastic digital consoles that total recall. I just, I don't have time for that, you know? Right. Right. But I like a good, clean, fat sound. I'm a rock guy. You know, I'm a rock dude. I always love that fat, punchy, Neve sound. You, you and I both. You and I both. Um, compression. Uh, or compressor. Whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, the Avalons are great. Uh, uh, the Neve, uh, the... Uh, um, uh oh god there's so many good ones um a good a tube compressor is always really good la2a yeah uh 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 my plugins i got the all the neve uh uh plugins uh right. for my compressors and just just don't over compress you really watch it really right. watch your compression uh oh this is parallel or something you know <laughs> you want to yeah. smash smash the living hell out of it um EQ. Uh, <clears throat> well, again, I got the Neve. Uh, uh, EQ, do not over-EQ. Matter of fact, the better you get as an engineer, the less you turn the knobs. 100%. Do not, turn, pardon me? Uh, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to... Uh, the more you turn the knobs, uh, the more problems you're going to have on your mixing, number one. Uh, and then you have to keep everything relevant. Um, and uh, EQing is taking out ugly sounds. It's not add. You don't try to add. You just take out ugly sounds. Subtractive. Yeah. Uh, 
and then and then uh, you, you never want to put too much high on or, or high mid, but you want to make it so it's clean. Make it as clean as possible, but do not over EQ. Right, right. Uh, delay. Delay. I still didn't hear it. Delay, like the effect. Oh, delay, delay. Okay, delay. Uh, well, delay. I don't use that much delay anymore. I, I you know, I mean. In the 80s, we used, you know, f five effects on each thing, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but I, I don't use that much delay. I use it very sparingly uh, and bring it in and out. I always automate my automate. Right. I don't put just one delay on. You know, I automate it. Ride the fader. Yeah. Yeah, bring it in, bring it out. Uh, um, I use it a lot more sparingly these days. Uh, people like to feel stuff in their face. And yes. of course, the more effects you put on, the farther away the source is. Right. But uh, I don't use it that much. If it calls for it, you know, guitar solo or, you know, a certain part of a vocal or a special effect or whatever, you know, but do not, do not over delay things. It's just not, not in today's music. Do you, do you have any favorites that you still go to as far as like pieces of rack gear or anything? Uh, the actual delay unit itself or just time, or, or time? Delay time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any any fa any favorites that you find yourself going to over and over again? Uh, well, I again, I use all the uh, all the, uh, the 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 URL plugins. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they're they're best that I've had, and I just use them. I mean, I I don't need to go out and get, you know, ten different uh. uh items these days to put you know, i just if it works good i use it right okay all these guys that oh i've got this and i've got that and i've got this okay and i put on a record and i say can you tell me which one is which which <laughs> delay is which they can't tell you they, they, right. they, they, you know it's right if it's working and it's good people think that making a record is 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 doodads it's not it's performance and vibe yes yeah, that's everything. It's doodads. Doodads do nothing but but make it sterile and make you sound like everybody else. It's the vibe that's different, you know. And if you put too much doodads on, then you're not doing your job. Man, that is the word. That is the word vibe. And somebody always, I can't remember who it was. They, I think they were on the show as well a few weeks ago. They they were we were talking about vibe, and it's like you can't you can't replace vibe. There, there is nothing you can do if it's if it's not if it's not there and it's not smashing. You, you got it. Well, you got to go back. Vibe, vibe, vibe. See, we do things when we make records. There are certain things that we do to keep people's attention. You know, people don't understand uh, that 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 certain things come into play to keep people's attention because a uh, a song is a four minute movie. You know, right. and if you can't make it interesting, they're going to turn it off. You know. Uh, and the most, the most, the, the, the most important thing is the performance. You know, it's not about the sound so much. It's the performance. I mean, look at some of these old records that sound terrible. Oh yeah. But, but they still, people still listen to them because the vibe that's on there, just, it's, you just can't, you can't beat it, you know? Great and point. Then you have these phenomenal sounding recordings of all oh, this orchestra and that orchestra and, uh, you know, uh, 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 dream theater and all. It's like, no, I want to get, I want to feel it, you know? I mean, yeah. look at Bob Dylan. The guy could barely sing a note, but people still listen to that because of that vibe, 
You know, right? I know I sound like a dinosaur when I bring up Bob Dylan, but I no, mean, we just we just talked about we just talked about Bob Dylan on the previous episode a couple of days ago, and yeah. it, you know, same thing, same thing. We both the other guest and I were like, man, we just can't stand his voice. But damn, what a you know, what a poet, what a vibe, and that's it. I mean, that it 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 resonated with people. Yeah, I mean, vibe vibe is everything. I mean, uh, Joe Cocker was look at him. I mean, he was, he oh, was like yeah. a, a vibe on, on, on 11 all the time. All what a, the time. what a, what a vocal, like yeah. what a vocal take every single, whether it was live yeah. at Woodstock, whether it was on the record, it's like, God, what a vocal. Yeah. I got a, a friend that I played with that played with Joe for, uh, his name was Gene Black. He played with, uh, Joel Cocker forever. And, uh, you know, when he died, he was like completely devastated because he goes, I know I'll never play with anybody even close to that. Right. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, the Beatles were all vibe. I mean, they yeah. were just, their vibe was fun and then psychedelic and, you know, but I mean, uh, uh, vibe is everything. Vibe, uh, music is supposed to make you feel happy or sad, uh, or, or up, you know, all these emotions. Right. It's, it's the, the reason those emotions are brought out is because of the vibe that the entertainer is giving you, you know? Yeah, and uh, uh, that's what's important. It's not about the doodads and the and the delays and the this and the that. Yeah, those things are coming to play. But if you got if you got some, you know, some there's nothing. No amount of doodads gonna make somebody uh, great if they don't have a vibe. Right. Well, uh, any any favorite reverbs that you've used over the years that you still use or? Uh, uh well, I had all the. Uh, um, Oh, oh God! Lexicon, you know, TC. Lexicon. Yeah, I had all yeah. the lexicons, you know, the four eighty Ls and the and yeah, the, yeah, and the LXP fifteens, and I had all that stuff. I have it all inside the box now, but I have all the I have all the top, you know, right. I have the best plugins you can buy, but uh, Lexicon is the was the, always the best for me. You know, Yamaha was great too, but the Lexicons was always the best for me. Man, those Lexicons are like God incredible and they're expensive as hell they were expensive as hell oh and i i just got i got a a, a hard rack a 19 inch you know uh u-rack i got a hard a hardware piece just because i was like why not you know it was sitting there empty an empty u-rack is always a uh dangerous thing in a studio because you want to fill it immediately uh incredible incredible you know and the plugins are amazing as well like i i use them all the time but sometimes you just want to print it and be done with it and man just just great just great stuff yeah 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 um no you gotta have good equipment you got you got if, if you have good equipment you know you got to make sure you got if you're going to be a, a someone that records you got to have good equipment for sure absolutely for sure yeah what what about guitars for you any any go-to uh you know, cabinets, amps, any, anything like that that you really just favorites? Uh, well, I endorsed uh, uh, um, uh, Samick, which was the Greg Bennett line. And uh, uh, so I always had to say those, but I don't, I'm not with them anymore. Uh, but uh, I actually have, of one. course, you're, huh? I actually have a Samick. Yeah, they're, they're, they were, uh, they were great guitars. Of course, you, the Strat, the Strat. You know, I mean, uh, the. Uh, um, I like the uh, uh, um, Paul Reed Smith. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, of course, uh, you know, Les Paul, uh, the, you know, the, the Les Paul Jr. I mean, the, the standard stuff, as far as bases are concerned, I've always loved, you know, just the regular P bass. You know, there's, there's Yamahas are nice. There's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's so many special guitars that my guys bring in, you know. Uh, but, you know, the old, the old standard, cleanest, powerful, fat sound is, is you know, the Fender, the Gibson, uh, uh, even some old Gretsch. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I've always been able to make anything sound good. So if you bring it to me, I'm going to make it sound good, but some things sound better quicker. And those guitars, those guitars always do. Right. What about piano for you? Pianos? Uh, well, you know, I had a grand piano for a long time, but, uh, I don't have it now, but, uh, uh, I've got a, I just got a, uh, a Hammond B3 and a oh. Leslie in the studio. Uh, nice. But, uh, Piano, you know, the Yamaha, the, the, you know, you know, I mean, if you're talking about a grand piano, uh, I've used a lot, you know, I had, I did the David Benoit's record a while back. I've had Johnny Hammond Smith in here. I've had, uh, some of the heavyweight, uh, piano players. Uh, but you know, I'm not, I'm not a real stickler on it. If it sounds good, it sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. L.A., Los Angeles. Okay, well, uh, um, I live by the beach, so, you know, um, I probably, you know, everywhere I've I've toured or whatever, I've always come back here to the the South Redondo Beach. Right. And uh, it's just, you know... I don't know. As far as musically, though, uh, L.A. is not it's not anything near what it used to be. Not even close. Mm. You know, mm. there's way too much supply and not enough demand. Way too much supply and not enough demand. Wow. It's the the, the scene is nothing like it. I mean, it's nothing like it was. I I don't go out that much anymore. I go out and see my clients play, or I go out and play in my band. But I don't go out to this club or that club. Uh. Because most of the time it's it's a bunch of crap, and it's not so much the band's fault because they they get thrown up on the stage. There's no sound check, you know. They get they get thirty minutes. They're on. They're off. You know. I mean, uh, you know, big concerts. I can't wait to see a concert and then the, the new stadium, uh, the Rams, uh, the Rams new stadium. I can't wait to see a concert there. Right. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff here still, but as far as like the way it used to be, not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago. Chicago, uh, way better than it used to be. Uh, I was there a little while ago, and it's way cleaner. Uh, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of dangerous parts of Chicago still, but it's uh, it's a beautiful place, and it's only good to be there two or three months a year. Other than that, it's way too cold or way too hot. Right. Uh, last one. Pizza. Pizza. My father's pizza was the best pizza ever made. Uh, uh, I have not been a uh, little Italy in New York. I got some good stuff. Uh, nowhere else. I, I, I've never been to Italy, unfortunately. Me, me neither. Weird, but I've, not I've yet. never been there. Have you been there? Not yet. No. Oh, yeah. But I, I want to go there. Uh, yeah. uh, 
my father's pizza was the best pizza I ever made. Um, I, I ever ate. And, yeah. uh, um, I'm still searching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, your, your dad, your dad is a great answer. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it was the best pizza. He had the restaurant 22 years. And it was literally the best. Anybody that used to go there still says the same thing. There's no pizza like like his pizza. Now, he had the restaurant in L.A.? Uh, Redondo Beach. It's uh, South Redondo in the Riviera wow. Village. Wow. Yeah, he built, it, he built it in 1956. Had it all the way up till 1978. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. Well, uh, I got one more question for you. I ask everybody this at the end. Okay. And uh, it's if you could go back in time to your 15-year-old self, knowing what you know now, what would you tell him? I, I ask that question to my guests sometimes, too. Uh, I would probably, being honest, I would tell myself to go to college, and I would tell myself to do music as a hobby, and... and uh, um, um, do something that would, would have sustained me better financially, uh, but but still played and still performed, and then see what happens. But I would I would have never just taken the music and that's it only route. I wouldn't have done that. I would have I would wow. have wow uh, done something else financially because it's like again it's a very tough life uh, to do that all by itself to make, and that's all I've ever done. That's all I've ever done. Right. Was 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 the entertainment business, and it's it's not easy, it, at, at any era, you know, seventies yeah. and the eighties, we made a lot more money, yeah, but at any era, any era, music industry, uh, entertainment industry is a tough way to make a living. It's great to do for fun, it's great to to have a great time, perform, you know, make music, write songs, record, but sustain yourself in a good paying job while you're doing that, and if something happens musically, then great. That's what I would have changed. Well, it's funny because I, um, I I graduated with my business degree last year, and I was always questioning, well, especially now, it's like, oh, well, maybe I should have spent more time doing such and, sh and such and such instead of doing online courses while I was recording, while I was playing and whatever, because it always felt like it was very, very overwhelming doing both being the full-time student and, and working the acting and the music career. But, uh, I'm glad I did it. Luckily I had a lot of folks like yourselves or like yourself tell me, you know, look, you gotta have something under your belt and you know, who knows, who knows, who knows, right? Who knows at the end of the day? Yeah. Music, music, music is a fun thing, but if you depend upon it to eat and pay your rent, it's not fun. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying you can't be rich or not be famous, but, but it, uh, a good, huge amount of the proportion of, of artists uh, are struggling. So, you know, have a side gig, do something else, make money, do some other else, and then you'll have a much better time and much more fun and, and you'll be a lot healthier. That's great advice. It's, it's uh, good to know that there's options for sure, you know. Well, I think that's gonna do it i mean if you have any last words if you have anything you want to push or plug that you're working on right well, now. well i would just say watch out just watch out for the paparazzi family that's going to be uh, uh hitting the air pretty soon and uh if you ever see it make sure you watch it I, I guarantee you'll laugh your ass off um and then this new artist uh cat that's coming out 
and then uh, watch the LA video. Uh, the LA video, uh, it's on YouTube. You can see it now. It's a great video. It's all about Los Angeles, and uh, yeah, it's great, great song. Uh, uh, let me see what else. Um, yeah, if you ever need somebody to record with in LA, give me a call. Give me a give me a shout. You can just Google my name and find me real easy. Awesome. And you could send me an email. I'll put all of your links in the description box oh, on YouTube, and then this will be out iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, all those. So that information will when, be so there when, as well. When, when you when you gonna put it out? Um. What is it now? It's like May 20th or something. Pro- probably like first week of June. Great. Yeah, just keep me posted, man. I'll, I'll, I'll put it everywhere. Cool. I'll, I'll, aver- I'll advertise the hell out of it. Well, Dino, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. No problem, man. I had a good time. It was a lot of fun. And uh, good luck. Where, where are you, by the way? I'm in North Carolina right now. Oh, you're in North Carolina. Yeah. Wow. For some reason, for some reason, I would have, I would have not have guessed that. I was guessing more, more on the East Coast, actually. You know, unless that is on the East Coast. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's probably, it's, it's like 600 miles north of New York City. Excuse me, south oh, of New York City. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. what's the weather like there right now? Uh, unseasonably rainy and damp because usually now it's like humid and disgusting like in the high 80s low low 90s once you get into june and then it starts getting into high 90s and hundreds in the summer but it's been like i said unseasonably cold and damp which is weird well all right well bro stay uh stay dry and uh you know keep in touch keep let me know what's going on okay for sure you guys been watching listening to the jason amico show And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks. Peace.